take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back. What up, what up, Tuesday, post-Memorial Day weekend, feeling a little tired, slurring a little wordage, but I'm feeling great. Still, still, still got my rest. Welcome to another episode of Stories That Need To Be Told. Mike Young here, sitting across from Jordy. You all know Jordy, sidekick extraordinaire, feeder of the information, producer of the podcast world, and, uh... Man, I just had my brother here for a week. He is married, he has two kids, and he got to come hang out with Single Mike. Single Mike. And let me just say up front, I'm going to talk some Single Mike stuff today, and I'll just give a disclaimer up front. Mom, trust me when I tell you, you raised me well, incredibly well. You and Dad did the best job possible and I turn I'm turn I'm great I'm all good I'm a good person I do good things I am not evil I don't hurt anybody but I have been living a single wild life now for a few years a few solid years now and it is not the same life that most of my friends have in Detroit or most of or some of my friends out here but LA has obviously lent itself to a single fun life and before I was ever single Mike, I was in 15 years of relationships starting second year of college and running for the next 15. So let it be known, I did my time and I am going, I am unapologetically single. I am digging my life. I got lucky to have a few cool celeb friends or whatever, so their lives have bled over into my life, and I've been able to go enjoy their talent, you know what I mean? They've done very well and have a party, and I'm at the party. So I am digging single life, and single Mike is in effect, and he just had a fun weekend, and uh, it's, it's funny because I, being single, I should be the tired one. Meanwhile, my brother's married with two kids. He came out here, he slept 90 hours straight. Every time I turned around, he was snoring on a couch. So, you know, look, I, I, I called myself Single Mike on stage one time a few years ago. And I was just, I kind of, I did a bit. I, I think the bit was like, competition's real out there in the streets. You know, me and this guy were talking to the same girl. He tried to hit it with like an athletic achievement and a hand touch. I had to come back strong with a sensitive story and a back rub. I don't fuck around. I'm single Mike. And f after that show, it was in Tempe, Arizona or Phoenix. And after the show, literally like eight to ten dudes just rolled up on me. And they were like, single Mike, you know, single Mike. And they started like asking me questions like I was a guru. And oddly enough, I had the answers. And Single Mike was born on stage. And Single Mike has been, I've been kind of using that as an alter ego. If I was a rapper, it would be just Young Mike. You know, Mike Young is who I am. It's just my, it's Single Mike is just a part of me now. And it's, uh, it's funny because, I don't know, man, people actually come to me for advice. And I don't, I'm not always sure why, because I'm a wild man at times. And yes, I don't know. But 
having been around you many days, many nights, and many locations, uh, definitely something that you do that is great uh, for men, which is why they come and they approach you, but also women, is that you're a great listener. You're willing to listen to what people have to say. I could be one of the greatest listeners of all time. And I think it come I think it's because I actually genuinely dig people. All kinds of people. Growing up as a kid, even my mom would be like, "Why do you let all these people into your life?" I had criminal friends, I had shady friends, I had friends that were doing bad things out there, but I always saw something and it's from my dad, man. My dad saw the good in everybody. And I kind of just like people, and I give everybody a shot. So my grandpa always said to me, you never learn anything from talking. And I just took that to heart and said, I'm just going to listen because, you know, when you listen, you, you listen, you're hearing somebody speak, but you're also seeing where their shit's really coming from. You know what I mean? And I kind of developed this second knack, this real knack for just... I hear what you're saying to me, but I know what your subconscious is actually saying to me. Oh, you're like, man. You know what I mean? Like, such a necessary trait to have, especially in Los Angeles. And I would love to keep this episode Los Angeles, Los Angeles-centric for the single mic purposes, just because uh, from my experience and also experience of some friends and loved ones who have been out here, Los Angeles to date is very difficult. It's a tough town to date in. But I try to tell any of my boys that come to me, because obviously I've got friends going through divorce and friends going through breakups, so I'm the first dude they want to hang with. (laughs) I'm the first call, okay? Trust me when I tell you, one of my boys was broken up with for a day. A day. And I I get a call, and he's like, yo, what are we doing, drinks tonight? And I'm thinking... This motherfucker must be single right now because he hasn't <laughs> called me in eight months and something's going on. Of course, he was single. I took him out that night, showed him a good time, taught him how to talk to girls, and he was back with his girl a day and a half later. <laughs> so I basically did a, a good deed for him because obviously he couldn't hang in my world anyway. But yes, L.A., but the trick of L.A. that people don't know is you got to use, see, L.A. will use you. L.A. will use you up, spit you out, send you back to Oklahoma quick as shit. But you got to use L.A. for what it has and what it is. And L.A. has got thousands of beautiful girls walking around. And, yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're hot. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, they're used to getting talked to by a bunch of dudes. But guess what? They're fucking insecure like everybody. You know what I mean? We're all insecure Especially at the end of the day. here. Especially you know what I mean? here. It's... You know, it, it's for all the sunshine and all the beautiful people. I mean, there's a lot of talk that's going around, but there's a whole, not a whole lot of listening. So I like where your perspective comes from. I mean, I've I've seen you juggling four or five girls at once, and you're like the ringleader, like you're the Pied Piper. I'm like, hey, Mike, you need, you know, most people need a wingman. You do not need a wingman. No, I'm. I just use other parts of my personality as wingman. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the benefits of being sort of crazy. But no, I just uh, I look at it like say what you want, say what's on your mind. You think a girl's beautiful? Just tell her, man. She shoots you down, walk away, who cares, go on to the next. Life is short. I was telling you earlier, Jordy, I look at it like, look, I grew up outside Detroit. I come from a true working class family, you know what I mean? My dad worked on a scrap metal truck every day. You know, I'd go out to work with him, I'd be shoveling brass, breathing brown metal dust for a week after that. I started out 0 and 18, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I, I, I go at shit like blue collar. So I'm coming at girls 
And I'm talking to you like with work ethic. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I don't care if you shoot me down. I do not give a fuck. And I don't say crazy things. I'm not like a loud dude. I'm just saying, I see you, you're attractive. There's a vibe. I'm going to say something. And if you turn away and it's over, boom, I'm going to talk to the girl four feet away from you if I feel like it. You got to just get over the rejection and just understand human nature. And that is that we are all insecure at some level. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a comedian. I go up in front of thousands of people sometimes and do jokes and blah, blah, blah. And I act brave and, uh, you know, on stage. But believe me, I look in the mirror and I go, man, I should have really trimmed my chest hair before I talked to that 24-year-old at the beach. (laughs) I am not the most secure dude. But fuck it. That's the beauty of life. You know, it's like. It's like what I said in, uh, in, in My Man is a Loser. We're all flawed. We're all flawed. That's the good thing. You know what I mean? And out here in L.A. where you got all these fucking clown-ass motherfuckers just trying to act cool at the club, cool at the bar. It's like, yo, I say the cooler you act, the more insecure you are. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like the cooler you're trying to be, that's just like every layer of cool is another childhood problem you're dealing with. You know what I mean? You got your hair pulled back in the ponytail, you need to talk to your dad. You know what I mean? You got your cool leather vest and you're standing with your legs crossed, neither parent talks to you. You know what I mean? It's just what it is. You know, no one's that fucking cool. You know what's cool? Being vulnerable and fucking crying during 30 for 30 ESPN classics. Because I did it twice yesterday. Marcus Dupree shit killed me. And so did the fearsome foursome, which wasn't even that sad a one, but the friendship between the four guys just fucking, I got welled up. <laughs> a sensitive heart. Yo, being sensitive, man. Be sensitive. Fellas, quit the cool shit. I go to the clubs. You know, I'm single Mike. I go to the clubs. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm a grown-ass man in the club enjoying it. You know why? Because I like to turn my fucking brain off after a day of working or writing or focusing. Turn my brain off. Let the music play. Check out some fine-ass girls. Talk shit. Have a couple drinks. Go home and eat a sandwich. You know? So, just no no shame. I'm, I'm unapologetically single right now. I'm enjoying it. You know? Do I think... Because my old pattern... My old pattern was 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 predictable. It was... Date a girl four years, four and a half. That was like my time limit till I had to get out. And then be single for five, six months. And then I'd fall in love again. And then boom, I'm back locked up for five months. Get sick of it. Fig, you know, some shit went down. I didn't see the future being forever. And then get out of it. Single again for six months. And then back in it. And then the last breakup I had, I think I just got on a single train and something clicked in my mind. And I was just like, I'm actually one of those dudes who doesn't mind alone time. I dig alone time. And I listen, it, it, I'm not saying the grass is greener at all. I'm, but for me, my career only, st- and this is not a good thing, but my career only started to get going strong while I was single. And I'm not blaming my ex-girlfriends for any of my career hiccups. It's all me and my insecurities that were uh, I was holding myself back. But I'm just the type of dude who, like, when you nag me, it stifles me. I'm just not a good, I'm not a good verbal fighter in a relationship. I'm not a good acceptor of nagging. It doesn't, like some dudes get motivated. Like if your girl's like, you know, what are you doing? You need to work harder and do more. Some dudes are like, I need to work harder and do more for my lady. I'm like, I need to work harder and do more. I'm like, 
fuck it, bitch. I'll never work. <laughs> I'll quit everything right now. I'm a, I go the opposite. Which, if I went to a psychiatrist, would say that, that they would probably say that's not the right move. Probably not. Absolutely not. But I'm fucked up in my own little way. You know what I mean? Just that's just my old, that's my weird thing. When you come at me hard, I don't. It doesn't motivate me. I never was motivated by coaches that yelled. It just wasn't my thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that I mean, is. So your relationships, four years in a relationship, five years in a relationship, six years in a relationship, right? So that's yeah. you know that's fifteen, sixteen years of relationships. Yeah, I did my time. You've <laughs> you've done your time, so to speak, and you know now you're on this this single track. I mean, no one could could fault you for being super single. No, nor should you. I'm not like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super, believe me, I'm not, I've, I haven't been single forever. When I say locked up, I mean, I did it. I was with a girl who was a singer songwriter who was super crazy talented and we had a great fun run and we loved each other for years. And then things started to get a little weird when I went on the road and she went on the road and the trust issues. And look, I am not the most trusting motherfucker. It's just, I'm a flirtatious dude. Uh, not crazy sexually flirtatious if I'm in a relationship, but I just talk to people. I just do. And my girl was never really cool with that. You know, then I got, I, then I was in a relationship for five years with a girl who had a kid, you know, and the kid was four or five when I met the kid. Then I was there for five years. So I was in daddy, you know, sort of a daddy role, you know, not obviously I wasn't the father, but you know, I'm, I found myself up at 6am every day taking a kid to school. Right. You know what I mean? Really loving that life, by the way. Loving it. Had a great run. And then that just ran its course after five years. You know, once again, if I had to track it back, I'd say me being on the road doing comedy did not help the situation. It just didn't. I don't give a fuck. You got to be some kind of superhero to be in a relationship and be able to go away every weekend on the road and on some rock and roll shit. And there are dudes that are able to do it. And I just... uh I wasn't able to pull it off because I'd land, I'd get the phone call. What what time are you getting to the hotel? How come you're not at the hotel yet? Who's with you? Whose car are you in? Once again, you come at me like that, I collapse and I go get a blowjob in Sacramento and I call it even. Right. And that's not good either. So that being said, when I got single, I said, you know what? I'm not trying to hurt any I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I just want to stay single for a while. And then a couple of my boys that have, you know, got famous on TV shows and in movies, I started, I was hanging with them. And you know what? You got a Malibu beach house and 300 model chicks are coming to party on the beach. I'm going to enjoy the shit out of your success. Exactly. You know what I mean? You're nominated for an Oscar this year. Guess what? I'm having a great time at your after party. You know, I might even bring a chocolate trophy. Who wouldn't? You know, I might call your acting coach and go, thanks for the English accent, bro. I just got laid twice at your boy's house. Absolutely. You know, why wouldn't I? People are like, this this was part of the dream. When I was a kid in middle school and I was dreaming about stand-up comedy, I literally would dream hard. And I would dream like, I would zone out of class to the point where the teacher would be like, Mike! You know what I mean? Like, be yelling my name. And I'd be daydreaming hard about performing in front of crowds and just like seeing this different world. But let me tell you something. Part of the dream was also having fun with women on a beach in Malibu and fucking meeting beautiful girls. I mean, I'm going to fucking lie about it. Like, oh, I wasn't dreaming about the craft. 
<laughs> I, I wasn't dreaming. I, I didn't know what it took. I wasn't dreaming in middle school of like, man, I cannot wait to grow up and write and get dandruff in a solitude, in a room full of solitude and nobody. And I am so excited to get that legal pad and try to memorize shit for the next night. And I cannot wait to be broke for seven straight years and not fucking be able to and have to call my mom for money. I am so excited for this dream to kick off. <laughs> right. No. The dream was fucking meet some beautiful girls, do shows in, in front of everybody, make a movie, and now I have been a, I've, I've manifested it at, to some point. I'm still not where I need to be or want to be, whatever, whatever, but part of that dream was single Mike was in my mind. So, you know, look, I just, you know, every time I try to explain it, I just have Jay-Z song going, I like girls, 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 <laughs> girls, I do a... Put your number on the paper because I would like to date you. I mean, I just like girls. I'm a people person, and girls are people too. Look, this is something that happens a lot, especially in major metropolises. It's just, you know, there's just a lot of single people, a lot of single women, a lot of single men. Now, there has to be some type of method to the madness. And what interests me about your side of the story is there's not a lot of guys who are perpetually single who have, who've had successful relationships. A lot of men or women are commitment phobes or are afraid of love, loving someone else, or lo- afraid of loving themselves. That's not the issue with you. With you, you are, you're saying, I'm here and I'm living my life. So let me ask you. And this is something that could end up being a running segment. So I know that Tuesdays for you is a big evening. Ta- yeah. Taco Tuesdays. Taco Tuesday. So for the the public at large, we record mostly on Tuesdays. Episodes come out mostly on Wednesdays, sometimes more, sometimes less. But we are establishing this level of consistency. And I think that this is a good time to start a segment like this because I'd love to be able to backtrack a little bit from the past seven days. And I'd like to see where your head's at for the next seven days. So it's like, you know, the it's it's literally a taco. This is this is Taco Tuesday, and you're filling it with the meat of single eligible women in Los Angeles. So let me ask you, Mike. So we're coming off of a holiday weekend. We can get to that in a second. But let's track back to, say, last Taco Tuesday, right? Yeah. And Taco Tuesday, we spoke about the the last episode. Is at one of our you know local hangout sports bars, and everybody loves the Taco Tuesday. Who doesn't love discount tacos, discount drinks? Yo, you could say it. It's a goal, you know, goal on Tuesdays. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, and I know that that's a that's a mainstay for you. So let me ask, in terms of your schedule from say a Tuesday to Tuesday, a seven day span. You know, let's kick it off with like a Taco Tuesday, and then you know okay. we we all know that you work very hard during the day. You have your your routines. You've talked about that, but how does you know when you decide to take breaks, or you're going to the gym, or you're going on a walk? What's your uh, regimen like to be in communication with a woman or women, and then going forward throughout the course of the week, you <laughs> know, I, to try to actually touch base with them? Just get you know, let's. What I love about Jordy is he will take three and a half minutes to ask one question and it's just he's been there he's been there. he's like my brother my brother can talk and talk and talk and that's why I'm the listener but I think I know what you're at you're asking me what does my week look like what are my nights filled with 
So let's is that that's basically what you're getting at. What does right. a Tuesday but night I, what do the all nights look like or what is, how do we kick it off on Tuesday night? Tuesdays should I would like this to be the bookmarking because there is a bookmark of the Taco Tuesdays every Tuesday. We're recording every Tuesdays. This is the before and then there's going to be an after and what's your week is like? Okay, so we'll go Tuesday to Tuesday. So last Tuesday it was the day actually Rob came in town. So he actually came in town on Taco Tuesday. Now, Taco Tuesday takes place at Goal. My boys own a sports bar in L.A. called Goal. It's dope. It's high-end sports bar. It's my cheers. It's where I go four nights a week to have a drink, watch a game, chill out, eat some chicken fingers, whatever. Taco Tuesday, our boy Judah, his job is to bring girls to Goal. He is a promoter. What does a promoter do? They get paid to, to meet girls and bring them in. The girls get drinks and tacos. Well, now he's stepped it up to where he's actually bringing cool, beautiful, smart, funny girls to Goal. And it's a fun thing. Last Tuesday, boom, I went to Goal. There was It was flooded with, with girls. There was a DJ playing music. I had a couple tacos. I talked to a few girls. I maybe got one or two phone numbers. And goal is like, where, that's where we kick it off. Like I kick it off there. You know what I mean? I have my Don Julio and Yeho's neat. Maybe I get two of them there. I start talking. I find out the girls are coming to Villa after. Now we're going to my spot. Now we're going, my boys own a place called Villa over on Melrose. That's where the after party takes place. And it goes till 2.30 in the morning. And so, you know... It's hard. My memory's not great. But from what I remember, last Tuesday, we ended up at Villa in a booth upstairs with all my boys and about nine beautiful girls. And because Memorial Day was coming, it was uh, a lot of girls from out of town were coming in town. And I was up there and I was just having fun, talking shit getting a couple phone numbers. Maybe I slid over to a little area booth that's supposed to be private that has sheer curtains, but it's not private enough because they forgot to make the curtains thick enough. <laughs> and I might have made out with a random girl. It could happen. I think it did happen. And, you know, that's it. Got a couple great numbers. You know, my brother was talking business because we're thinking about opening up a goal in Detroit. And uh, he did business. I flirted my ass off after a long day of writing in the cave because I finished another movie last week that I owed a draft on and I was kind of semi-celebrating. And so, boom, just just ended it at Villa and post-Villa. Knew I had a couple new fresh phone numbers in the, in the phone, which always feels good on the ego. And me and my brother went to Cantor's Deli and just ordered some mediocre soup and a half-bad sandwich. <laughs> and... Yeah, that shit used to be good, but I don't know what happened over there. So I mean, they're falling apart. You know, just to take a little bit of a of a time out, I do want to hear about the progression. At, you know, the the following day with the phone numbers and such. But you know, for the listeners at home, because when someone hears like, "Wow," you know, and of course we've all done it, but just to hear beautiful women, you know, beautiful women in Los Angeles, they're like exotic animals. Right. There's they're, three out there in the lobby right now that are with no job or reason to be there. But they're like tens everywhere in the country and probably around the world. So, you know, something that I've noticed with you is that obviously you're we've we've noted that you're a great listener, but also you're you're very good with, you know, your positioning of your body. You talk very close to them. You put your hands, you know, in specific areas just to kind of, you know, make them feel secure and right. safe. And you and also something that you do that I've never seen anyone do as well as you do is you get girls to hold your hand <laughs> quicker, quicker than I've ever seen. I'm, I'm a, a hand holder. How long have you known her? 20 minutes. 
I'm a hand holder. For so I get affectionate when I, if, I, if I'm sipping tequila, I'm a cheek kisser and a hand holder. <laughs> and what is a cheek kisser? If I see if I'm talking to a cute girl and I feel like there's a great vibe, I don't know, man. I'll just throw a kiss on. I'll just kiss her on the cheek. I don't. I don't know Strong why. Strong move. It's I a like weird it. thing, man. It's like a weird like a high school move. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I am a physical person. I'm I'm physical. I play sports. I like physicality. I'm a try. You know, I I if I'm talking to a girl, like I'll tell you, fellows, if you're talking to a beautiful girl and you're getting the conversation going, don't be afraid to throw a hand on a hip. Don't be afraid. Subconsciously, she feels secure. She feels comfortable. You're good. You're not being rapey and weird. You're not putting a hand on her ass or fucking being forceful. Just put a hand on a hip. There's something about the hip that a girl triggers something in a girl. And now you got the hand on the hip, and now I'm speaking to her subconscious. And, right. I, and she knows somewhere deep in her soul that she's okay. She's okay with me. Oh, we're chilling. I'm not going to. You're safe. You know what I mean? I'm just being a gentleman, and I'm just making sure you don't fall down at some point. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. But, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I, I do play the physical role. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. I have friends that are more weirdly physical like that, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm not like aggressively physical. No, you're at all. You're a gentleman with your physicality, which is why I'm asking about it, because you do have the ability to engage women very quickly. And that's, that's something that not a lot of men can do. And let me just say this I, I got to take this back to childhood because, first of all, my dad was smooth. Obviously, he was married to my mom and they were, you know, they were together all the way through life till he passed away. But my dad was just a charmer of a person. He was literally like the cool, like you go to a bar mitzvah, all of a sudden my dad's got everybody around him. They just gravitated towards him. He just had the gift of gab and he just, you know, when they say everybody like everyone loved your dad, everyone loved your dad. What they never say is that your dad loved everybody. Right. And my dad loved everybody. And I learned that from him. And I took me and my brother both take that from him. And it's just like, I got no beef with you until I got beef with you. So I really do dig people. I just do. I think, you know, we're all, everyone's hurt and everybody's insecure. Like I said, and I just don't, I'm not one of those people who like whose first instinct is to be like, look at this asshole. Look at this. I know people. You know what I mean? My brother said this weekend, he's like, he's like, yo, you got the best ability to assess the situation. You can read the situation very well. And I think that's just from being around people. But to take it back to the childhood, I'm not kidding. I grew up in a fully mixed neighborhood. I had black friends, white friends, Arab friends, punk rock friends. We grew up, I was so lucky to grow up in Southfield where it was such a a mix of people. And I'm telling you that my black friends when I was in sixth and seventh grade, they were so smooth. Early on with girls, I kind of learned the game from my boys. Like one of my boys, I had my boy Vince, you know, my buddy Vince. Vince Baldwin he's like literally now he's like the director of Nike operations for like basketball all all over the country but this motherfucker was so smooth in sixth and seventh grade he would have like there were like 24 year old hot girls talking to him and we would just be like what'd you say what'd you say to her what'd you say so I learned the game (laughs) as a kid from people like Vince and my boy Roy and Rod and these other dudes in the neighborhood they could just kick it to women. And what they showed me was don't have any don't have any fear. It's like, yo, bro, 
we're from a working class neighborhood. You can say whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? Like, give it a shot. Go for the highfalutin socialite chick. See what happens. And by the way, seven out of ten times, nothing would happen with that. But every now and then, I'd end up back at a beach house in the Hamptons. You know what I mean? Having sex on white sand with a girl whose parents probably hate me because I'm Jewish. Hey, you miss all the shots you don't take. There you go. That's it. Wayne Gretzky. There you go. You miss every single shot that you don't take. Take a shot. Life is short. You know? Rejection, fuck it. You know, and that, by the way, comedy, I mean, shit, if you can't take rejection, I'm in the wrong business anyway. So, yeah. like, if I didn't know, if I didn't learn the game from, from my boys growing up, comedy taught me rejection. And comedy made me say, I don't give a fuck. And that's not in a, in a rude way. That's just meaning I got nothing to lose. You got nothing to lose. Just don't be one of those loud, arrogant asshole dudes who's, you know, don't roll up on a girl and fucking brag about what you got, bro. Okay? You're talking to a woman. They can have that shit. Every girl who's fine has been offered a trip on a private plane, a trip to Vegas, a paid vacation in Wyoming, come to Dubai, ride on a horse naked. These girls have they've heard it all, bro. They've heard it all. So in LA, spit your fucking real game. That's that's what gets a girl in LA, 100%. You know what I mean? They don't buy into that bullshit. You know, my, believe me, my last two girls I dated, they were getting offers while I was dating them. You know, <laughs> I didn't even know what to say. I'm like, well, shit, get two tickets. Right. Yeah, I mean. I'll ride a horse naked. <laughs> I mean, look, these, uh, you know, these women, they do get offers all types of, uh, you know, grandiose opportunities. And it's nice to hear that, you know, there is just a general baseline to how men can at least have a conversation. You're not you're not giving anyone uh you know a, a a magic elixir to make sure that they're gonna get exactly what they want, but you're at least getting them in the door with this advice. Yeah, get in the door. You know what I mean? Like you're alive. Being alive is in the door. You know what I mean? The other alternative, you're out there is no door. It's shut. It's a very tight door. It's a called a casket. You know what I mean? So you're So you're alive. Take that as as step one. You are breathing and if you have the ability to talk Fucking use it, you know, and just say what you want, man. Say what you want, fellas. Don't be intimidated by any of these girls. And by the way, if these if you talk, step up to one of these beautiful model chicks that you see in L.A. and they give you a bad attitude, walk the fuck away because that's a girl who's got nine years of miserable in her and you don't even want to be around that. But you keep taking the shots and you will find a cool-ass girl who is funny, who smiles, who digs you. And that's it. It's like girls like to be talked to and complimented and, and all that. Is that Warren Buffett outside looking at you? Who is that? I, I, I don't know. Should we invite him in? Hi, I don't know who you are, buddy, but you look educated and older. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Take me back when I was a kid, never had to worry about what I did. Well, you know, there's just a type of situation where, you know, let's say that you meet a girl, right? You meet a girl out and like what you want to get their phone number. What's your go to move? Like, do you have multiple moves? I, I get the phone ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm phone ready. And I'll just be straight up honest with a girl. If I want to get a girl's phone number, I'm just like, listen, I want to invite you to the comedy store. 
I go with, you know, come to the comedy store one night, see me do a show if you like, you know, or I'll just go, I want to take you out. I just want to take you out. Is that, do you have a, you know, are you single? What's, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here. And because I'm so blind and not good with the phone anyway, I just hand it to them. Oh, that's a great move. I hand it right to them. Here, you do this. I can't hear, see, or fucking fumble around my phone. You hand, you do the phone, put your number in, put your name in, and and I'll have your number. And then, boom, I call them, you know, the next day or the day after. And, you know, usually hit them with a nice to meet you and just go the gentleman route. You know, that bad boy shit is over, bro. You know what I mean? I've never been a bad boy, but I've been a bad boy. You know what I mean? I've been a bad, I've been a hood let's just say, but I've never been like a bad boy with girls who's like mean to girls and bitch this and I'll tell you that. And like, I never had a girl that liked me for being a bad boy. I was a a true bad boy growing up for that few year period where I was a thief and a criminal, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which might be another episode, but you know what I mean? I did, I know real bad boys. They're just bad pe you know, bad dudes. Right. I was never like a a rebel with girls. Yeah, like, no, nobody, Mike's a bad boy. Nobody wants to be treated poorly. No, that's not true. There's there's people that have they suffer shit in their in their childhood, and they go through shit that something in them doesn't even feel right unless they're treated poorly, mm. and that's deeper than what than we could get with you know like you know something that's not us to fix for us to fix, but oh there are people who they they wouldn't call it. They would they wouldn't say that they need to be treated poorly that they they would never say they want to be treated poorly there's just something in their DNA that just they feel comfortable when someone's being mean to them or treating them bad that's just some deep shit mm -hmm. but those aren't girls I date because I'm too nice you know if I if I'm, if I'm not I could tell when a girl's like that when I'm cool and nice and she's gone she's like you were too nice I'm like well you're too hurt right. So, okay, so we've got the Tuesday scenario. So what's going on for the rest of the week? So, like, let's just go social single mic week. So Tuesday night, Taco Tuesday, roll up, meet girls, head to villa, have fun, get a phone number, call it during the week. Now maybe Wednesday rolls around and I'm hitting up that girl and I'm going, hey, grab some friends and meet me and my boys out. Now this is L.A., so obviously there's clubs everywhere, there's live music everywhere, you know, there's Comedy Store, which is my main hang. So, like, Wednesday night, tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, I'll probably just go kick it up at the Comedy Store early. Have a couple of drinks on the patio. If I'm not on stage, I'm just wrapping out to a couple comedians, kind of checking in. Sometimes you can do business there, you know what I mean? Me and you have met up there many times and just talked through business stuff. Right. It's a great place to start your evening. And then I'll start texting a few of my boys and a couple of the girls that I know and say, where are you guys going? And Wednesday, they'll probably go over to Warwick, which is a club down the street on Sunset. You know, and at this point, I've been in L.A. for so many years. The people I know the people that own these places, so I, I kind of can just get in now. And we'll go over there. We'll go over to Warwick. And once again, my boy, who's the promoter, he'll have a booth, right? And there'll be a booth and liquor at the table already. And he'll have seven, eight girls there. And then me and three of my buddies will go in and we will just start flirtatious fun. And I'm not going to apologize because I remember Chris Rock used to do that bit. I don't want to be the old man at the club. Right. But meanwhile, now he's the old man at the club. He's divorced. He's doing his thing. You, you might see him at a club <laughs> twice in a week. So, but the point is, is that I go, if I go to a club like that, it's just to turn my brain off. You know what I mean? To like, 
I've been writing all day. I've been working all day. Probably got a workout in. Haven't talked to a human being all day. Like that's the life of when you're writing. I'm not really talking to anybody. I'm in my place just working. And so I look at it like turn the brain off, go have some simple conversation and listen to some hip hop. I love hip hop. I love good DJs. You know what I mean? I love classic rock too, but I'm not finding any places playing classic rock unless there's a jukebox. So Wednesday night, Wednesday night, boom, roll over to Warwick. Have I had fun at Warwick? Have I done some dirty shit? Did a girl two months ago roll up on me at Warwick out of nowhere and say, let's go? And did I trust her and believe her? Yeah. Did I leave? Yeah. Did I go home? Yeah, I did. I've done it all. And so Wednesday night would be like a Warwick. But my night always ends up, unless if I'm with a girl and, you know, we have a one night stand or whatever, that's one thing. But if I'm just... If I'm solo after, you know, having a great night, my night ends up watching like a, either like a great classic comedy, you know, with a sandwich at two in the morning. And it's like a joy comes over me that I can't explain. Uh, but I, I just I love just eating late night. It's my got it from my grandpa. My grandpa was a bar owner and he just had a habit of taking us out late at night. And you'd have like five grandkids in Detroit eating, eating like five star Greek meals <laughs> at a fucking, you know what I mean, while getting a neck massage in a weird underground restaurant right. late. Um, but that's that's Wednesday. Thursday night, boom, back to the comedy store, inviting, you know, some girls up there, see what goes on, call a couple of the homies, yo, meet me up here. So it's either comedy store or goal is like the pregame, is where you pregame. But, um, Thursday night, Thursday night, I usually won't even, uh, it'll just be like, a, I'll just go long-term comedy store, you know, because lately like Apatow has been up and Gerard Carmichael and it's just been a good lineups of comics just watching the craft because, you know, if I'm not getting on stage because I'm just out of the, if I'm out of like going to open mics, even though I should dive back into some of those mics, I don't have the brain power to do it right now, but um, if I'm not scheduled, I'll just go watch a little comedy just to get inspired. And then, um, yeah, then I'll just go, you know, either go up to another bar and, uh, or, or, or go home, you know, then Fridays, usually I'm doing a show in Hermosa comedy and magic, you know, go have fun over there solo, go grab a slice of pizza and a carry out from the club after having a great set. Cause that club's so dope. Go home, boom, call the fellas on the way home. Where are you going? By the way, when I say call the fellas, I got a group of four or five friends. They're single too. And, you know, like I said before, it ain't, it's no it's no secret. A couple of my boys are famous actors. They're going through a single time right now. You know, one or two of them single right now, too. And if they say, yo, we're going to such and such place, we meet there at midnight. And the way L.A. works is there's like these dudes that are promoters. They are paid per girl to bring a gaggle of girls to our table. So we will be at a table and all of a sudden it'll just be infiltrated with like five hot chicks from Sweden. We don't even know what the fuck when they landed, (laughs) but they will pop up at our table and all of a sudden it is like, boom, start talking to girls from Sweden. Okay. And you know, a lot of dudes and a lot of people look at this as like shallow, whatever, but guess what? After you're writing all day and you're alone all day, I'll take some shallow fun, if that's what you want to call it. I dig it. I don't apologize for it. If the DJ is dope, and usually One Oak's got a dope-ass DJ, Warwick's got a good DJ. These guys, these are like high-level good DJs with good taste in music. 
I just dig turning my brain off, you know what I mean, sipping my tequila and talking shit and getting some phone numbers. I collect numbers for the summer. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, summer's coming. I got to get, I'm starting to wind sprint and collect numbers. How do you maintain that balance of like, you know, uh, you know, not seeming too interested, but also being interested and also remembering about these girls and keeping track of who these girls are if it's over <sighs> periods of time. What's your method? I go, boom, you go on the phone as Jennifer Oak. I met you at One Oak. I know you're, you know what I mean? And I just, you got to, ju- you know, you got to be a multitasker in this day and age. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I don't even do it with social media shit. I just go straight to the phone. If I get a number or two, I will, you know, boom, I call both and, and. Oh, you're a caller. I broke the, yeah, I break the rules. Well, I don't just text. Well, I, br- I brought calling back. That's not just a throwaway thing these days, Mike. Yo, I brought calling back. Yeah. By the way, single Mike calls. I brought it back to the point where girls are shot. I've had girls scared to answer the call, listen to my message and text me at how funny my message was. <laughs> They're so scared to talk. They don't even call back. But then I have girls that are like, I'm so happy that you called. I was like, yeah, I call. I call. I'm not, uh, my shit doesn't fly with text. Oddly enough, the whole irony is, is that, yes, I am a writer. But I write, when I'm writing, there's like usually like emotion and character behind it. If I'm just writing a text, it's like vanilla. It's like bland. It's like I don't have a text voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Texting isn't writing. Texting is just a way for most people to misunderstand what you're saying and think it's communication. So I think that that's a very underrated part of your method is the phone calls. Oh, yeah. I mean, by the way, let's. I keep single Mike keeps it old school. Like, I go back. I, I'm a throwback. You know what I mean? Not just because I'm old. I'm old. I go old school. And I'll bring back calling, complimenting, not being cool. You know what I mean? I still open the door for you. I'm just, you know, I keep it. I keep, you got to keep it real with girls, man. That's called being Girl, chivalrous. General, yeah. I am chivalrous, you know? Um, it's funny, man, because I actually, it's so funny. I actually started liking a girl recently. She's got the flu right now. But, like, it's, I've taken, like, I'll take girls out with my other buddies and, like, your boys always have an opinion. Right. They always got an opinion. Yeah, when you don't like, ask. Like, seven months ago, eight months ago, I took this girl to Vegas with me. You know what I mean? Sebastian's with me. He, he's performing. He's got his wife there. I take my girl, the, the girl that I'm t- I take her to Vegas for fun. I, I don't really think anything's going deep with this girl. I, I don't know. But I dug her. I take her out. You know what I mean? I get the text from Sebastian the next day. End it. <laughs> End it. Come on, bro. Give me a break here. You know, and look, by the way, he thinks I'm looking to get married. So he's like, this isn't your wife. I'm like, let it be what it is. Don't, <laughs> f-. like I told him the other day, I said, yo, bro, you've broken up with more of my girls than I have. <laughs> like literally, you know, but it's, you know, look to each his own. You know what I mean? Like I realize I've dated a few girls with personality. I don't, don't want to say personality disorders, but like ADD. You know what I mean? And like, I think because I'm just a mellow listener, I'm kind of on the more chill side. That's why, I like, cr- a little bit crazier girls who just fly off the. They're not angry, but just like more ADD girls are attracted to me. I think I give them a sense of peace. I'm like a Xanax. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm literally like a, a human Xanax for yeah, them. Preaching to the choir. Yeah, you are too. You're a super mellow dude, Jordy. I've never seen you get rattled. 
even when I've seen you get rattled, it's almost comedic. I hate to tell you, but like even when I've seen you like get angry and throw air punches, I'm like, God forbid you ever get in a fight. I don't want you to ever get in. I don't want you call me if some shit goes down, you know, but like I just uh, I feel like the last few chicks that I've dug have been like kind of ADD. Like zigzag personalities, and I don't know if I can last with that because it's exhausting. It literally is like, it's like you're just in a tornado that just keeps, you know, it just keeps going. Yeah. But for me, it's like two mellow people aren't gonna really. There's not a lot of spark there for me, so I kind of like a little bit of the wildness and like the, you know, if you tell me if you tell me you can play classical piano and you're hot. I'm in. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. And you can also play guitar and hate one of your parents. We're going to get along great. Absolutely. What do you think the uh, like the marker for, like, let's say you meet a girl and there's a vibe and you're digging her. Like, how long does it usually take for you to realize who this, th- they really are and not who they just say they are? It takes me two times meeting them. Just two. I, I could like you could be you could be the best most diabolical scheme artist scam artist, you know this could be like some uh, 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 what was that movie with Michael Keaton I mean uh, damn uh, Steve Martin uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels you, know? oh, you could be a that. Dirty Rotten Scoundrel and you might get me on the first night but second night pff, shit you ain't getting me I'm a master at this shit I know <laughs> I know a girl within two times. I could talk to you on the second date, and I can tell you haven't talked to your parents in seven years. You got a brother that tried to get with you when you were nine. You know what I mean? You grew up on a farm. You're out here hiding your identity. You got three different last names. I know what you're all about. You are a wounded bird, and I'm sorry for that, but I'm not going to be the one to fix you. Welcome to Los Angeles. Welcome to L.A. I could tell literally within two times of hanging out what you are, you know? And when I, if I'm talking to you, having real real conversation with you, I kind of get a vibe. I could vibe you out right away. You know, that's. I think that's from doing comedy so much in front. I think that's from being in front of people so much. You start to just vibe people. It just is what it is. I mean, I was on stage, you know, not too long ago, and I these three dudes were like talking and they were dressed all cool and I just said what are you in a fucking bat what are you a bassist in a shit band and his boys are like oh shit how do you know you were a bassist <laughs> like you just get a psychic vibe right. you know like I've heard comedians say that before multiple times where they feel psychic because you just start to vibe people so you get an extra sense, and it's I ain't no fucking wizard. Well, that's like a fight or flight type of thing, like because I mean, I, that's like crowd work on stage, right? Sometimes you're looking over the crowd, and you have to kind of be on point because it's sink or swim. So it's like your senses are heightened, perhaps. Totally, your senses are fully heightened, absolutely. And then once you train that part of your brain, it's like second nature. It's like a boxer throwing a jab. It just becomes second nature. And you, the but the bummer is, is you're quick to assess to, to assess people out. Like I'm quick to assess a situation. You know, I feel vibes all over the place. Last night we were at goal watching the game. Some real creepy weird dude came up and like shook Connolly's hand, and you know, and then like moved on. Then I saw him looking all over the crowd, and I just I got a vibe of like, is he here to assassinate me? You know what I mean? Like, is he, who's he here for? And, of course, he turned out to be a creepy, weird dude and said some wild shit to Connolly, and we kind of had to get him out of the bar, you know? But I'm like a forensic expert. Like, right. You know what I mean? 
I I I have Sli- extra power with that. Yeah, I mean, life experience. I mean, you have to trust your instincts in life, of course. I mean, but in the in the topic of you know engaging in the opposite sex or same sex, you just need to be able to trust that gut. You get to be able to. You know, totally, but that's funny when people say trust your gut, trust your gut. I don't always know exactly what that means because when your gut feels something, does that mean it's the right thing or does that mean it's the wrong thing? No, it could be both for sure. It's that's what I'm saying. I was like, Tr- check your gut. I'm like, well, my gut is definitely boiling. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It definitely feels nervous. Is that good or is that bad? But I think that's another level that you get to is is, tr- anxiety, is it good or bad? I think any type of anxiety, you know, when assessing a situation is bad. Is yeah, it has to be totally. I mean, you've probably felt I, I've I've had moments where I've been like at an after party or something, and I just feel the negative shit so much. I physically just start walking out to outside to be alone, and I have to get away from oh, the situation. I'm I'm just like that too. Energies are so important in social situations, especially in a small area. It's real, man, and For it's sure. it's real. And coming from Detroit and like being in physical altercations my whole life and scrappy and be you know just that type of shit, I can feel when shit's gonna go down, and I don't do well oh, with it. So me- I gotta remove myself from the situation. I don't deal well with like physical, you know, people infringing on my physical space. I just don't. And uh, yeah, but I've I've definitely I've come to find my comfort zone. That's why, like, when I go to the club with my boys, I like to put my back up against the wall in a booth and just be the dude who just chills and watches everything. Yeah, I remember the one time we were. This is probably two years ago. We were in Vegas for the New Year's extravaganza with with Danny and, yeah. and beyond, and uh, we were at. Uh, the pool party at Marquee outside. We had like the cabanas and like our own area with the pool and the and the jacuzzi. <laughs> by the way, you guys got to see Jordy in the situation. He's by the way, Jordy's got a girl right now, but when he's single, Jordy is a quieter assassin. I've seen him. He t- girls dig Jordy, bro. They dig your style. You will be the quiet. You will be quiet, but you will just fire like a couple little sentences, and you'll almost like make fun of a girl. Like I've seen you kind of, because you don't get intimidated. I think it's just I don't know what it is. It's like your Long Island upbringing. Yeah, probably because I'm short, and yeah, you know that has a lot to do. Like when you're saying like I'm, I haven't been in a ton of physical altercations, but there, I, it's also because I've avoided a ton of physical altercations because people step to me a lot. But it's you always got to be able to navigate and that's same, why you're so good with your verbal same thing with girls though sometimes girls will try to like you know play me or try to play a guy or play you and like if you know how to like play that verbal tennis with them yeah you've got them got them you know but you know what i was what i was alluding to and i appreciate the comments because that was a strong weekend for everyone who was there we had our rap part basically as a gift for wrapping the movie a stand-up guy our producer danny a who's also the star of the movie he treated me and Jordy and a couple other people to a weekend in Las Vegas for New Year's. And it was like Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett, Drake at midnight, and all the amenities. All you can eat, all you can do, all you girls you can talk to. Put us at the club mark at, bar, at the marquee pool. But go ahead, Jordy, tell them, tell them what you're about to say. Well, look, I mean... You're talking about having your back up against the wall. You had your back up against the cabana. Everybody's running around in bathing suits and whatnot. You're in a an Atlanta Hawks hoodie and a swimsuit, and you're just assessing the situation. It's like 80 degrees out. 
<laughs> totally. <laughs> you're just you're just chilling on it. Ultimate fly on the wall in those moments. Ultimate fly on the wall. By the way, I think 18 minutes in, I think I was making out with a girl against like against the pillar. I wouldn't doubt it. In front of a bunch of club sandwiches that Danny ordered to the pool cabana. So many club sandwiches that were not eaten. It's a lot of food out in the sun that wasn't eaten. I don't eat in the sun. No, no, it's not. I keep good for it light. You. I keep it light. And I mean, everybody. It's so fun because, like, I, I, I love tequila too. I love dark tequila, and especially hanging out with you these past couple of years. You know, it's it's an acquired taste, but I mean, it's definitely a fun drunk and you know a, a good buzz. Um, but it's like when we go out. You know, especially when we're we're out with you know at these tables or whatnot, I feel like there's a bottle that's brought for you. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're you're correct, and it's just for years I've just decided tequila is my drink. I slow sip it. I don't ever get crazy. I just like to slow sip a good Don Julio Añejo or and you know any other quality Añejo. Like uh, Trace Generations makes a good one. Casadores has a good one. But I love to slow sip a dark tequila, and it's just a fun buzz, and it just it's just what I do. And my boys have all kind of noticed it over the years to the point where Goal wasn't carrying Don Julio until I kind of came along and was like, listen, you know what I drink. It's got to be here. They started having bottles there for me, and then all of a sudden now they stock it for the rest of the world. But... You know, I'd be, I be—I didn't invent drinking tequila, but I must say I'm the first one of my crew that started slow sipping it and showing everybody that this is how you drink it, like a man. Right. You know what I mean? And you—and you, this is well, this is this is the fun way to sip it. I might even say I put Russell Peters up on tequila. I think he might agree. I might have put Joe Rogan up on tequila. He might agree. He might not. Yeah. But he might. We'll get one and or the other or both in here. We'll ask him. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get Russell in here for sure. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. So... You're, you've got us from that Tuesday to the Friday. So tell us what uh, a weekend, a normal weekend is like for single Mike, and then I want to hear what a holiday weekend is like for single Mike. Normal weekend for single Mike is normal weekend for single Mike is write all day. Whatever I'm writing on, whatever I'm working on, you know, like let's say, you know, here comes here comes the weekend, okay? I just got word that we're going to go into Netflix with Warner Brothers. Kanye's coming to the meeting. So Great. for those of you who heard the episode, you know I have a project with Kanye West. I wrote a half-hour comedy, and it's set in the world of hip-hop, and it's dope, and Kanye's the executive producer. I've still never met him. I heard I'm getting Yeezys, the shoes. I heard that. I don't know. You heard that. There's a rumor. And uh, but I just got word that we're going to be going to pitch the show to Netflix. So meaning I got to get my brain straight and I got to get the out- and, and the outlines all laid out. Warner Brothers is already on board. So typical weekend is I will go over that outline this weekend and I will look at, you know, every beat, every character, every episode that I'm pitching. I'll say it out loud. I'll read it out loud. I'll record it into a microphone so that I have it. I'll replay it in my ear a thousand times, just like memorizing a song. Uh, I'll work all day, all day, all day. 
I'll head over to Hermosa. Now, as I'm driving to the Hermosa Comedy and Magic to do a set, I'm texting my boy Damon. I'm texting my boy Jamal. I'm texting my buddy Jonah. I'm texting Pookie. I'm texting the crew, and I'm going, what's up? I, you know, what's up tonight? Boom. I get to Hermosa, 8 o'clock show, see all the comedians there, Ruben Paul. Uh, I saw Larry Miller there the other night, uh, Mo Mandel, some of my regular dudes that I know. And uh, boom, go to Comedy and Magic Club, beautiful Hermosa Beach. Boom, go do an eight-minute set that they vi record on video. Generally have a great set because they're always great crowds, always packed. Boom. I'll be done, get my carry out of amazing filet from them. I know I'm going to go, single Mike is going to go drop off his food in the fridge because he just wants to have it for late night. As I'm heading back from Hermosa, my boys start calling, boom, meet at goal, meet at goal, 10 o'clock meeting at goal. Boom, I go drop off the food, head up to goal, uh, I Uber, I'll Uber up to goal, it's only a few blocks away and I've been, I'll start drinking probably uh I'll, I'll have my i'll have a glass of tequila when i get home and i'll just slow sip that i start feeling good put my video from hermosa next to my computer ready to be downloaded head to goal meet the fellas we start to talk shit and you know one of my favorite things is i like just kicking it with my boys you know what i mean talk i love a i love a recap you know, I love to get together and go, yo, did you talk to that girl last night? Oh, what happened? Oh, did you get fucked? What, did you, did you, what happened? Oh, you didn't? Oh, you, you busted a quick nut? Aha. I mean, you got, <laughs> she gave you her number. It wasn't the right number. You know, all the scenarios we get to play out and talk and they remind me of my boys I grew up with, which is so rare that you get to make friends out here that remind you of the dude you grew up with. That's but I got, best. I got lucky that way. Even my brother noticed it. He's like, dude, everybody, one of your boys is like, a bizarro version of one of your boys that you grew up with, <laughs> which is so dope. So we'll kick it there, have a couple drinks at goal, maybe a little chicken tender, and then we'll gear up for where we going. And a Friday night, I'm trying to remember what the spot is on Friday. Oh, then we'll go up to Hyde, where our boy Frankie runs Hyde. You know, Frankie, who we play ball with. Yeah, he's coming in. He's I wanted him in today to talk about that club life shit, to see, you know, let people know really somebody who's on the inside of the inside. So, oh, by the way, I saw Frankie. I was at Hyde on Friday. I saw Frankie. And him and his boy, they had a crew. Oh, my God. They had a crew of just stunning girls just having a blast. They had, they were just going wild that night. Yeah, it was for his birthday, right? Yeah. He's been celebrating his birthday for five straight days. <laughs> so I'll go Friday night. We'll start at goal. Boom. We'll head over to Hyde. Bam. We got a table. Perfect. Boom. We kick it there. Club, DJ, fire, it's all good. Meeting girls, getting phone numbers, having a blast. Throw your hands in the air when a good song comes on. And then we'll hear like rumblings of a possible after party. Now, if my boy is having an after party, you know, then we're going to go to his house. Like, we'll go to his house and, you know, he's got a beautiful home just overlooking the whole L.A. basin. And, you know, you can see from ocean to downtown. And we'll go kick it up there, and they'll just be, like, beautiful girls sitting around a fireplace. You know what I mean? Just, like, you know, it's it's fun. You know what I mean? It's fun. Like, I tell people, like, yo, if you can get a, if you can get a famous friend, get one. Because <laughs> they are, especially if they're cool. Right. You know? And you just, you know, it, we just end up having fun deep into the night. And, you know, look, if I'm in super, listen, none of this shit happens. When I'm digging a girl, like if I'm into, if I'm dating a girl, like I'm in, in, then I'm in. But when I'm single Mike, I'm single Mike. I will make out overlooking the city of LA. 
I will try to get laid in an you know in the fucking guest house of a guest house. You know what I mean? I I'm I don't hold back. I look at life as an adventure, and if I'm not hurting anyone's feelings and no one's hurting my feelings, then we're all good. So we'll usually end up you know after party till three thirty four in the morning, and then my, I'm hungry. Then my mind is kicking in, and I'm going, where am I picking up my BLT? <laughs> And so I'll usually just roll by like maybe Mel's Diner, pick up a BLT and go home and call it a night and just unwind. And that's it. And that's a Friday, you know, and Saturday is just another version of that. You know, I look at shit, Jordy, like if I, as long as I get my work done, then I can play. If I work hard and then I can play hard. If I'm not working hard, I ain't doing shit. You'll just see a depressed person. You know what I mean? I'll just be inside. Right. I don't not work. And then go out and party. I don't celebrate nothing. You know, I'm celebrating just working hard and being in L.A. And just, you know, I'm enjoying being single. That's just that's just the way it is. And, you know, of course, I say this shit and this probably comes out in two days. And by Friday, I'll have a girlfriend. You know what I mean? Who, who knows what can happen? But. You know, I, I, I don't I, I don't plan it, you know, and believe me, I look at all my boys who have kids and everyone's getting married and they're popping kids out. Some I some I admire and I envy and I go, that's beautiful and you should do that. And then some I look and I go, you are with the wrong fucking one, bro. And you're about to make a good long mistake, you know. So I'm not one of those people who thinks that it's just good to have a kid. I think it's good to have a kid when you're ready to bring a kid into the world in the right way. You know what I mean? Because that's just too true. It's just too real. You know what I mean? Like, don't be, you know, guy, if you're a one-night stand, baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Sebastian, I got he said, I feel like he coined that phrase the other day. He said, what about these one-night stand babies? They don't have a chance. <laughs> Everybody's got a chance. Every kid has a chance. You, you know, it's just your chances are less to succeed with the more baggage you got. So, you know. You know, you know. But, but yeah. you're putting yourself out there. I think that's the key. I mean, gosh, there's just a lot of people out there who are just... Scared. Scared. Yo, I look at it like this. I don't know if I ever talked about this on, on the show, but I come from a long line of tragedy. Did we ever talk about that? We've just, This has been discussed. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, you know, when you grow up and you go to 13 funerals in like a 12-year span and you're only in seventh grade... It changes your whole fucking game. So my whole game is upside down. So, you know, I lost my grandma, my grandpa, my aunt, my uncle, my other aunt, my dad, my, you know, three friends. Just like it was like the weirdest shit. I felt like I was like being a trick was being played on me. So in my mind for a long time, I was like, I'm never making it past 21. I used to have that thought like I'm everyone I know is dying. I'm never going to make it. So but then I obviously I kept living. But my mentality is you live once. And if you think you don't live once and you think you live 100 times, guess what? You're only this person once. And I'm digging being Mike Young right now. And I'm just going to just fucking enjoy life and put myself out there. I'm just putting it out there, you know. And that's that's kind of how I look at life. Like I saw tragedy at a young age and it made me say there are really no rules other than don't hurt other people. You know, physically, emotionally, whatever it is, there's no rules. So have fun. And plus, I always looked at it like I want to have adventures that I can write about 
talk about, you know, I saw that documentary on, um, what was her name? The female author, uh, writer, Jesus, director. She passed. Oh, uh, um, no, uh, Nora Ephron. Oh, yeah. So she, her thing was everything is copy. And, yo, you know, everything is copy. And she drew from her real life like every writer does, every director does, every comedian draws from real life. And I just decided, yo, I'm going to live a life that's at least worth fucking talking about. So, you know, to that point, which I, I did want to ask you about because you brought up the Kanye situation. And, you know, we have ta- we have dabbled a little bit in, you know, talking about how this concept of single mic is something that we want to create as a show and has been in development for quite some time and it will be a terrific show at some point. So let's, okay, Kanye, single mic, the constant thread through both of them is that they take place in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Kanye is a little bit on the the higher end of, of the lifestyle. Well, when the, when the rapper in our show starts to make it, he goes high end, but he actually starts off in Inglewood. Right. So he's, you know, he starts off kind of in that neighborhood, you know, Englewood, the barbershops, the local restaurants, the apartment complexes, the, you know, single family homes. So, well, definitely high. Well, I'm sure that single Mike will also dabble in that as well. But I'm what I'm saying is that they they're a little bit interchangeable in terms of like their locations and the lifestyle. Yes. They take place in Los Angeles. So how do you because you say you turn your brain off when you go out to these these events and these uh, situations a lot. Uh, what do you do if you're in a situation and you're like, oh, I need to remember this. I need to, to put oh. this down to, to use it later. It happens, it happens all the time, all the time. And I used to carry around my little notebook and a pencil, but then my eyes started getting worse. So if, I, if something's happening, like it's happened multiple times for the Kanye show. Like I've been at a club and I always see these, I, I see the club like a zoo with different animals. You know what I mean? Right. And I see like, there's, you know, you've got the table full of Middle Eastern dudes and they're got five white girls dancing for them and they're paying for everything. And then you got a bunch of white boys from college that used every penny they had to, to be in the club. And then you got Kanye and his crew of dudes and, you know, they get shit for free, but, and they got girls coming over with bottle service. And then you got pro athletes over here, club promoter punks over here. And, you know, I just, I look at it like all the different, they're all different neighborhoods. I remember when, so when I had that thought, I had to break out my phone real quick and go into just my notepad in my phone and just write down every type of person at each of the booths and then that became a sequence that I used in the in my outline for the pitch before we got it to Warner Brothers and so I just I just always if something hits me I record it right away that's why I bring my phone you know to the gym because fuck the bummer is I get so many ideas when I'm working out and I swear to God, there's some correlation between losing oxygen in my brain <laughs> and creativity. But anytime I'm like wind sprinting or I'm get or I'm exhausted, I'll get like four bits. It just comes. It's like that's where it somehow it taps. It kicks in there, and I start firing away. And so like at the gym, I get a ton of ideas. But being out and about, you know, even with like you know Doug Allen, I've talked about Doug on the show before, and creator of Entourage and I've been out with Doug many times and he works the same way we've taught we've had conversations he's like oh let me write that down and I've had conversations oh let me write that down and that's just what your life becomes and that's what I think the beauty of being a writer is is that it's never ending you know if you watch the documentary on Woody Allen he is non-stop I mean he pulls he opens his drawer and there's 300 movie ideas you know 
all flushed out, half flushed out, a quarter flushed out, uh, five words in a you know in a concept. It's just that's just how the writer brain works, you know. So you just got to record it into your nowadays into your phone. Yeah, it's that's uh, life becoming art. Life becoming art, man. You know that that was that was the dream. That's the dream. You know that's the dream. But yeah, man, I am. Uh, you know, and you always talk about be uninhibited on here, but there's always like this little part of me because, you know, I've done a lot of shit. You know what I mean? And I hold back on a lot of shit. And it's kind of like, I don't know where to draw the line with it. Like, you know, I've been to Vegas as a very, as a young dude. I slept with a prostitute at 19. I have no, you know what I mean? I lost, there's just private. I don't know where it is. I'm not a good, I'm not yet so open and honest because I know like my mom listens to this and my nephew started listening to it. And, you know, I just want to, part of me is like, yo, fellas, this is just how life is. You know what I mean? I'm a good dude. I always am just looking out to do the right thing. But I have been through some wild ass shit. And, you know, I'm just not always comfortable, you know, well, look, talking it through. You know, you, I've done some wild, dirty shit. Well, you talk about, you know, not thinking that you were going to live past or to 21. This is actually the 21st episode of Stories That Need to Be Told. How ironic is that? So I lived to 21 episodes. Exactly. So you're, you know, still finding that lane. And there's been a lot of conversations that have been had that, uh, you know, you talk about the prostitute thing. You told that story with your brother, not last episode, but uh, late in volume two. So, you know, you'll find that stride. And look, this is you know, episode two, volume three, and it's just that it's that's just kind of how it goes in life. And let it be known that I'm not like just trust trying to like brag that I slept with a hooker or whatever. It's just I truly love adventures and out of the box shit. And you know, everyone talks nature versus nurture, nature versus nurture. And you know, I feel my DNA. You know what I mean? I have a 23-year-old black rapper's voice in my head at many, many times. You know what I mean? I just, I know what my DNA is. And I know how also how I was raised. And I was raised by the two coolest, perfect, balanced parents. And, uh, you know, but I'm down for, I've just always been an adventurous dude, you know? And listen, you are who you know. You are who you've met, you are where you're from, and uh, that's kind of like the beauty of it all. So don't judge me. I walked her to the car after. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was the funny shit. And you were 19. I was 19. When I was 19, first of all, in Detroit, I knew people who like owned massage parlors and shit. I was doing dirt. I mean, it just was what it was, and it was fun. And I'd be, you know, I thought I was on, you know, I thought I was in a movie. You know, in my mind, I'm like, this is some movie shit. We're going to go fucking, you know, go to Detroit, pay a hooker, get a motel. You know what I mean? Get in a fist fight. We're living real rebel shit. You know, then the one time you get punched in the eye and it hurts, it's over. You know what I mean? It doesn't take a lot to straighten you out. But that's funny. I I didn't talk about the last. Did I ever talk about the last time I got that I stole anything and that I never stole ever again, ever in life? That I was embarrassed in college. I believe you did. Remind me of... So, yeah. So I, you know, I'm very clear as to what my thoughts were when I was doing criminal shit as a kid. I'm very clear. 
My uncle committed suicide. In my mind, I thought, fuck life. I will not be alive after 21. I'm going to rebel against everyone and everything. I would rob your house on Christmas. I would steal your car radio. I would steal your, they had bras on cars that were like these leather things that covered the front of your car. I would take those. I would go to school and I would sell them to the Chaldean or Arab kids and I'd have, you know, $400 cash on a Monday. I did a lot of dirt, but I also remember what my mentality was. And I was, I was using the tragedy that happened in my family as an excuse to do dirty shit. And... I went on a, you know, there was like a few year period where I would roll out of the house, leave with a BB gun, shoot out some shit, go steal the thing, you know, steal the radios. And I, but I remember that it strictly came from fuck the world. That was my mentality. Fuck the world. My uncle just jumped off a bridge and killed himself. My other uncle shot himself in the fucking house. Fuck the world. I'm going to do what I want. And that is the wrong fucking way to live. And I did. It took me a minute to figure it out. And thank God I figured it out, but I figured it out because I remember just like I upset my parents so bad that I remember like just having that final cry like with my dad and like me going, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a good kid from now on. And him going, I'm sorry, too, for yelling. It was like that. I had a one day episode where I became good kid Mike. I had fucked up for four or five years you know what I mean my parents were like we don't even like you as a person you know what I mean I came home one day thinking I was going to a football game my dad's like the police called you're going to the station we found out some shit about you you're gonna go they threatened me with like juvenile homes and shit like that but it never happened but I just remember being a rebel for the wrong reasons and it's just everybody reacts to tragedy differently and you know I was all my hood friends are just sensitive kids that just had no chance they just most of them just couldn't get past shit. I was lucky I had two good parents. My boy that I talk about in my act who does real shit, like real gangster shit, you know, it takes a special person to get past it because he didn't know his real dad. His mom was kind of in there but kind of absent. He was kind of raising himself, didn't feel love, rebelled against the world, and fucking became a gangster. That's just what his, that's just what he is. And... You know, I show we showed my family showed him love along the way and brought him in. You know, try to live with us a few times, and you just it, you gotta be a special type of mentality to overcome that shit, because we're all just sensitive kids trying to unwrap what happened to, to us as kids. But my point was the last time I ever stole anything, and it wasn't even. I went for it one more time when I was in college, my first week of college. Just met my brand new roommates, University of Arizona. I'm a great thief, you know what I mean? But I, I hadn't done it in a while. I don't have, I barely got like $200 to my name. I go to the supermarket and I fucking steal. This is ridiculous. I steal like a big, like a real turkey that, like, I'm actually going <laughs> to cook a turkey. And I steal like cinnamon donuts. I steal a bunch of crab legs. I got it all up at the thing, like the checkout counter. But I start putting it behind to where the bags go I'm like kind of playing like a hand eye trick and I put them back there and I fucking I'm such an idiot and I also try to steal like a five pound Christmas chocolate bar like <laughs> like one of those giant chocolate bars that's just it takes you seven years to eat and I just casually get my shit and I fucking walk out with my own groceries that I don't pay for and I'm casually walking out walking out da -da -da, and all of a sudden I get the tap 
and it's the manager and they got fucking police and they got people that if you're ever in a supermarket and you look up and you think you're seeing mirrors yeah those are rooms just to let my the fellow criminals know those are rooms those people sitting up there and they're just watching you i got tapped i got arrested my first week of college <laughs> and i got fucking embarrassed I called my roommate. I was like, yo, bro, can you bail me out? He's like, who is this? I'm like, I just met you yesterday, but it's, it's Mike. And I'm in Arizona. I got no family to call right now. So he bails me out, and now I'm kind of known on the dorm floor as like the dude that got arrested for stealing. <laughs> so I basically was so ashamed of myself that I literally never, ever stole another thing in my life. That's all you had to do was embarrass me. Scared straight. I was fucking embarrassed straight. <laughs> I was embarrassed straight. I had good intentions. I was going to feed everybody on the floor. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And that's... The making of a rebel. <laughs> and that's what that's what's led you to live such a chivalrous life now and on the up and up. That's right. Thank God I got caught with those crab legs and sugar donuts. I never would have been such a good dude. <laughs> it is funny, man. You start, to, you, know, you start to just, like, look back on your life and see what events shaped you, you know? Because I feel like... You know, if you're lucky enough to just have that great child, I always feel like those extra white boys and girls like get that good childhood where they're like, and I know their parents got secrets and demons that they don't, no one talks about. You know what I mean? Like that Kennedy shit. Like I, I knew kids like that growing up. They just seemed like life was going to be perfect and nobody ever got in trouble and the family never fought and the dad wore a green polo and docksiders and everybody went on the sailboat. I don't come from that family. You know what I mean? And they always like, I always look at those families like, God damn, motherfuckers are lucky. Like nothing bad happens. They're just walking around like, like, like the sky's never falling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was always, I don't know. I slept with a couple of those girls. It'd be weird f sleeping with them coming out. There's like a moose head on the thing that their dad hunted, a deer head, a <laughs> fucking <laughs> raccoon stuffed. Where are they Some now? Some real white trash shit. It wasn't even, they were rich white trash. Where are they now? That's a great question. They're just living in their family's shadow, smiling along, going on the boat, pretending there's no alcoholism in the family. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You grew up more like I did. You know, you grew up, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, you're Jewish and you got a great family and you got a great brother and, you know, you got, we got similar dynamics like that. I don't, luckily, I don't think you did any of the hood shit because you're just a, you're just, you have a good nature. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing, nothing majorly criminal. You would go around. I mean, same, same stuff that you're talking about in middle school. You know, flirting with girls. You know, maybe you know, go around and steal those little like decorative things off of cars. You know, and collect them. And still sitting in my bedroom. Nothing crazy. <sighs> right. Good for you. Jordy comes from good stock. His dad's. How old is your dad now? Sixty something. My dad is 62 62 years old comes out plays in our men's league basketball game and he's like probably in the middle of the pack as far as like how good he is like oh, still yeah. shoots threes he can shoot drains them runs stiffly yet thoroughly mm -hmm. doesn't he, run out of steam he plays four times a week yeah it's crazy. god bless him man seriously yo i'm not happy with my return to the game i wasn't there did you hear about it i heard a little bit about it it wasn't good after months and months off of basketball, you know, I, I tried to, I, I went back and I played poorly. I mean, talk about your mind and body not being together. In my mind, I was ready to play. I was about to start, you know, shooting, be balling, and, all, and my body was like, yo, fuck you, bro. 
you're not going to just jump back into basketball without, you know, day one after nine months off, you know. But it was, it was cool getting back in the game. That's for damn sure. It was great getting back in the game. Got to knock that rust off. I'm going to knock the rust off, you know. And it's like, you know, ironically enough, after my Hermosa show, I, I ran into my old goalie from my men's league hockey team. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. And I'm ready. I'm, I'm about to come back to hockey. I'm about to go back into both sports. I'm serious. And get that old schedule back that I used to have. And that schedule was Monday night basketball, Thursday hockey, Friday basketball. You know what I mean? And I'm back to being a two-sport athlete. It's a great routine. It's got to do wonders for, you know, your work schedule, your social life, too. Because then it, it's, you know, coming full circle like you had talked about just in terms of, you know, with women and with, with life. It's it's all about balance. It is all about balance. It's absolutely all about balance. It is about balance. And, yo, I can admit I've been all about work and all about play, but like going out, partying, trying to get laid play as opposed to I got to get another activity in the middle. I got to get back to sports, you know, so I bought new equipment for hockey. I'm going back on that team. There's such a bunch of good dudes on that team. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to tomorrow I'll probably go general skating just to get my legs under me. But the the comeback to basketball was tough. Yes. You know, still a couple of angry dudes out there, still a couple of injuries happening, still a little bit of over-aggressiveness. I didn't really get the warm welcoming I wanted. I thought everyone was going to be like, Mike! Nobody gave a fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> Friendly Glenn didn't even say shit to me. He was like, hey, what up? I was like, what up? I haven't seen you in nine months. Jerry was like, good to see you, bro. Here's the ball. Lev was still complaining about his foot. So, you know, that just goes to show you, like, nobody thinks about you as much as you think they do, <laughs> nope. which is which is really kind of great and, anyway. And nothing changes. And nothing changes. Nothing changes. But don't ever expect a real great warm welcoming unless you're coming home from doing something heroic. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're coming back from the war or you're coming back from, you know, saving a cat out of a tree or you just saved a family from a fire, then you get a great warm welcome. But if you just left off men's league basketball for nine months, no one gives a fuck. They didn't even ask about you. <laughs> Single Mike Chronicles. Single Mike Chronicles. That's going to be an episode for sure. I come back thinking, this is it. I mean, is there going to be a banner? Are they going to be fucking throwing a party? <laughs> Nobody gave a fuck, and I played terrible. Maybe you were just thrown off. You, everybody got in your head. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely. my mental game was definitely off. I think you and Carlini both came back the same day. I mean, he had been gone for just as long as you. Did you play? I know. Did you play on the same team? Yeah, we played on the same team. We lost three straight games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just kind of, that's kind of how it goes when you don't play. You got to have that muscle memory, and uh, you know you got to got to knock the rust off. But you know that's there's nothing like actually playing. Meanwhile, speaking of which, we show we we uh you know we shot that sizzle for the reality show. Right. You know, you were there. Mm -hmm. We shot some Instagram models and like actor, uh, whatever, you know, model actresses, girls that use social media. We shot it. Jordy, I had Jordy come up and play a photographer. It was awesome. Was it awesome? It was, it was a fun day, right? Oh, it was terrific. Yeah, you got to sit outside and like shoot beautiful girls at a pool. Oh, I, some of my shots, I mean, I, I'm going to make lookbooks. Well, please do because I don't have any pictures. Oh, that, Carlini has all of them. Does he? Yeah, he's got every single Every single shot, including the one your brother texts me. He's like, I need the shots. Get him the shots. He Carlini has lot. them. Okay, we'll get them from Carlini. <laughs> give him a, give Carlini a no, break. No, it was a great. I mean, it, it was fun. It was fun. It was, and it could be cool. I think it, it could be a cool idea. 
yeah, so we'll try to put that together in the proper way. But uh, it was just funny, you know. Danny, who we talk about on here, Danny A, I, it's his house that we shot at. I asked him while he was in the Cannes Film Festival. I was talk texting him, and I said, Yo, I need your house for a shoot a sizzle reel. He thought I meant just to shoot a photo shoot with me. He didn't know <laughs> there was going to be five Instagram models, six cameras, and 14 people up at his house with full catering. So like the day before, he's like, Mike, what's really happening up there? I go, I'm doing a sizzle reel like I told you. You told me you were doing a photo shoot. Danny, I can't call it off, bro. I got people coming up there, a whole crew. I can't believe you're doing this. You better send me pictures. So we go, we shoot the whole day. There's models in and out. You know, there's people in and out. There's cameras everywhere. And I send them pictures. Do you know the pictures I send them? Of, they were just of you taking pictures. <laughs> Motherfucker, don't you send me pictures of Jordy, you weirdo. I know there's something going on up there. You better send me real pictures. And then I sent him a couple of pictures of just like a couple girls in bikinis at the pool. And I just, I, I slowly just like calmed him down. But, you know, it is what it is. Single Mike, bro, you want to follow me around? If I, you know, that's what's going to happen. I got five Instagram models up at your house shooting a sizzle reel. That's it. That was uh, that was great. And uh, did you see Danny for his birthday? Was no, he- he's been going to bed every night. He didn't go out for his birthday. He he went to a dinner with like you know a few of his friends, and he's just yeah he's like really getting low pro. He's just staying low pro and getting his rest. And he's here for like another week, so I will see him. Yeah, well, he's in that he's in that long term relationship game. That's not single Mike's game, ladies and gentlemen. No, he's in long term relationship. Make sure his girl is happy, and she'll be happy if he doesn't go out. Type of game. And God bless him. God bless all my friends that are in relationships. You know what I mean? Exactly. But let's not judge each other. Don't, let's not judge each other. Like I could tell when I go visit my friends that are married or whatever, the wives will look at me sometimes like, "Oh, Mike, when you, we gotta find you a girl." No, you don't. <laughs> Please I'll f- don't. Please don't. I'll find the girl. You don't need to do anything. The husband's looking at me like, yo, bro, I need to hear the stories immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm all good. You're all good. This is Single Mike's life he's living. And this is me saying thanks for listening to another episode. It's a long episode. It's episode two of volume three. Single, uh, single Mike. This is Mike Young. Stories that need to be told. Thanks for listening. We'll hear. Uh, we'll see you again soon. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.